an understanding of who you are and how you deal with mankind. We thank you for that, Father. We ask you to grant us revelation by the Spirit of God to teach and to instruct us, Father, to show, to show us how to apply your word to our lives each and every day. We thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians uh, chapter 4. We'll continue there today. We're in, in this section here from, from verse 10 to about verse 19. Paul's talking uh, uh, primarily about their financial support of him and his ministry, and he's kind of winding up the book here, and he's already has thanked them for, for their support of the ministry, but he, he's given some more details about how they did that uh, here in, the, in these last verses. Uh, and so I want to again uh, uh, back up and just read verse 10 and 11, because uh, starting to read uh, in verse 12 where, we're, uh, where we really need to get to, uh, we lose the context. So verse 10 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that, I respect, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. And we spend a lot of time talking about contentment, and uh, contentment is one of the greatest things you can develop in your spiritual life. Uh, and, um, uh, and in this case, he's talking about contentment as far as his financial uh, uh, needs go. But uh, contentment to do the will of God is a great uh, blessing, right? Right. Uh, uh, in fact, Paul told Timothy that godliness with contentment is great gain. And one of the things that I find that people in their lives, what happens is they don't spend time in, in the presence of the Lord to find out His will. Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go here, do that? Do you want me to stay? Do you want me to, to buy or sell? What do you want me to do, Lord? And instead of doing that, they, they just get, they get frustrated with where they're at, and so they start changing their natural environment. They quit their job. Uh, they quit their church. They move out of the city. You know, they, they, uh, I remember I had one professor, uh, he was this super uh, conservative fellow. You know, he'd, he would uh, mow his yard in a, in a tie. You know, I mean, it's, it's really conservative, right? In, in dress, I mean, wow, that's impressive, right? Wingtips and everything, you know, mowing the yard. <clears throat> and one, one summer break, he went out west, you know, somewhere, and he came back with long hair and wearing all the kinds of turquoise jewelry and cowboy hats. And, uh, I mean, he just, you know, had a whole midlife crisis and, you know, and, and everything, came back a completely different person. Uh, and, and so what was the, he wasn't content with the way he was. Now, you know, sometimes not being content because you want to be a better person, that's fine, right? You want to strive to be better, uh, that, that's fine, right? Uh, but as far as the will of God, you need to find the will of God and be content with that. And we talked about the fellow that... that uh, I think it was John that uh, and John's or Hebrews. Uh, no, it was Third John. Our friend Diotrephus, um, who liked to be seen, right, and liked to have a preeminent position in the church. He wasn't satisfied with being a door greeter. He wasn't satisfied with, you know, whatever. He he wanted more, right? He wanted. Uh, I've had people say, "Well, I want your pulpit," you know, and uh, and I'm like, "Well, I mean, I built this pulpit. You get your own pulpit, you know." and and, uh, uh, you know, they were content. Some people just not content with being a part of the helps ministry, right? Helps ministry is everything besides the pulpit, pretty, pretty much, right? Uh, and so there's some people who are just not content with that. They want your job. Well, there, there's empty buildings everywhere. Just go get you an empty building. And, and we well, yeah, have, but yours is already set up nice. And, you know, you got electricity and water. And uh, it'd be easier just to steal yours from you, right? Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, in the area of the will of God, uh, the thing that I have found in my own personal life that has been of great value is to pray, pray the prayer of consecration and dedication. And I pray that prayer on a regular basis. And, and my prayer basically is, Lord, uh, I believe right now, this second in time, I'm in your perfect will. As far as what I'm, I'm pastoring this church, I live in this city, you know, uh, I'm spending my money in this way. Uh, right now, I believe I'm in your prayer. As far as I know, right? And I, you know, there could be tweaks and things that I need to adjust, maybe, if, if the Lord tells me that. But to, to the best of my heart, I'm in, I'm in his perfect will. But and my prayer is, Lord, I will stay exactly this way for the rest of my life, if that's what you want me to do. Uh, and that way, you know, if somebody calls up, hey, I've got this big church down in Chattanooga, you know, if you come down and pastor that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll triple your salary or whatever. No, the Lord's not, you know, he would have told me that, that, hey, something big's going to happen before it happened, right? Uh, I believe he would, he would give me some indication before that phone ever rang that, hey, be prepared, the phone's going to ring. Well, okay, that's fine. But, he, but if he doesn't, 
then, then the answer just is no, right? Uh, and so, and, and look, it, doesn't, it wouldn't hurt to go and look and, and talk about things, uh, but at the end of the day, you don't make any decisions until you go back and find out what the will of God is, and if the will of God says stay, then you're content with that. Yeah, but I would miss that opportunity. Well, that, that opportunity is not the will of God. The will of God is the will of God. Uh, and so, you know, people say, well, I, you know, I've got this opportunity to, to make this, uh, all this extra money, but I've got to leave town, go to a place where there's no church, uh, and I've got to stay away from my family for, you know, three months out of the, three weeks out of the, out of the month, or three months out of the month would be even longer, wouldn't it? Uh, three weeks out of the month. Uh, and, uh, but I believe it's God's will. Really? You think it's God's will? You think it's just the, the bank's will, right? I mean, it's either, now, now look, uh, we don't put, I don't put any limit on God's will, but, um, you know, but a lot of times people are, are discontented with where they're at. They want more money. You know, remember they talked about uh, those who will be rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they'll do things because of lack of contentment. Uh, and so contentment of learning to stay in the will of God, whatever the will of God is, then you're content. Amen. Uh, and so I'm perfectly content pastoring this church, you know, and, and um, you know, could we, could we seat 100 people in a church? We could seat 100 people in a church. If we move to the next room over, we could probably seat 300 people in a church. Uh, am I discontented because of that? I refuse to allow myself to ever get there. If that ever rises up in my heart, I, I cast it down because that discontentment would cause me to step outside the will of God. And stepping outside the will of God is, is the shortest way to heaven, right? I mean, if you want to get to heaven quicker than you're supposed to, get out of the will of God, amen? And so I'm not going to get out of the will of God. I will stay here uh, until the Lord tells me to go and do something else. And if he never tells me to go and do something else, that, no problem, right? Because uh, yeah, I'm not, Lord, please send me somewhere else. I will never pray that prayer because that's discontentment. Uh, that, would be dis, that would be unspiritual to, to pray a prayer like that. Uh, and so uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great value for you to learn how to be content. Not, not settle, right? There's, there's, you know, the difference between settling and, you know, when I say settling is, well, I'm just, I'm broke, I'm poor, I'm sick, you know, you know I'm just going to settle with what I'm at. You should be content to fulfill the will of God in your life. Uh, and and that's, that's it, right? So what's the will of God? For you to be perfectly healthy, to be perfectly prosperous, to be full of joy, uh, to have soundness of mind. Uh, you should be content in that, amen? Uh, uh, and usually the, the lack of contentment is related to natural things. You want a bigger house, a bigger paycheck. You want, you know, more people in your church. You know, whatever it is that, that you want, um, then then you will change circumstances and get out of the will of God to pursue those things uh, because of lack of contentment. So it, it's to your advantage to learn how to be content. Um, uh, and, and one thing that I've always said, just for me personally, is that I, I'm always content, but I'm never satisfied. Uh, and I say that because I'm content where I'm at right now, but I want to know more of the Lord. I want to, you know, I want to know more scripture. I want to know more revelation. I want to, want, I do want to increase, but uh, uh, if, if, uh, if there's anything lacking in the word of God, I want that. So when I review my life compared to the will of God, if there's a lack there, then, then, then I'm going to pursue that. And so there's always change in that, in that regards, uh, but I'm never going to uh, do something for my personal benefit that would cause me to leave the will of God. Uh, and that, that's, you've got to be, that's, that's a big commitment. I mean, uh, people act like it's not a big commitment, but it really is, right? Because the will of God, uh, the only way that you can follow the will of God is for you to say, Lord, uh, say the exact same prayer that Jesus prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. Uh, and you remember when he prayed that in, in Matthew 26, right? That's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and if you think about that statement, what Jesus was saying is that my will was different, was differed, uh, differing from the will of the Father. He said, not my will, but your will be done. So his will was not the same as the Father's will. Now, w- was his will the same as the Father's will most of the time? Probably 99% of the time it was. Probably 99.9% of the time it was. But when it came down to uh, going to the cross or not to going to the cross, what would a sane person do? Not go to the cross, Right. That's what a sane person would do. And Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. You want to go to the cross? I don't want to go to the cross. And so, uh, you know, we, we've talked about that many times about uh, the biggest issue of going to the cross was that he would be separated from the Father for the first time in all of history. Uh, and so uh, he had no desire to go to the cross. And he said, he said, if there be any other way, 
let this cup pass from me. And so, you know, in, in being content with the will of God, there's negotiation that can happen up to a point. You've got to be careful of pushing that too far because the nation of Israel pushed it too far, said, we want a king. And the Lord said, you don't want a king. It's going to be bad if you have a king. And they said, well, we want a king anyway. See, the, the, when the Lord, uh, if you ask for something, the Lord said, well, yeah, you can have that, but it'll cost you. And see, if you're dumb, you say, I want it anyway, right? And, and I mean, the entire nation of Israel picked the wrong choice, right? Uh, he said, you can have a king, but it's going to be bad for you. We want a king anyway. All right, have a king. You know, and of course, it was destruction after that. Uh, David was okay, but even David, you know, he messed up a lot. Saul was a mess. And, and after David, Solomon was okay, about half his uh, kingship. Second half, was, he just devolved into pagan uh, worship and all kinds of terrible things. And it was only downhill from there. And so they had like maybe about three quarters of a good king the whole, in all the kings of Israel. Uh, and yet the Lord tried to tell them that, right? But they wanted it. So you've got to be careful. You know, I'm, I'm always really careful when I, when I ask for something from the Lord because I want him to have the opportunity to tell me, well, that's not my will. You know, that, that you need to find out what my will is and that's what you need to pray. What you're desiring there doesn't line up with my will. And, and so I always want to know if my desire is, is in, uh, out of alignment with the will of God. And if it is, then not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And then I'll change. Uh, and so, uh, because the Lord, you know, he, he can negotiate. There's some things with the Lord that he'll negotiate. Remember, he negotiated with Hezekiah. He sent Isaiah to, to Hezekiah and said, you're going to die. Put your house in order. Uh, and uh, Hezekiah said, Lord, you know, I don't want to die. Uh, and he, he made his case, you know, pled his case to the Lord. And the Lord said, okay, I'll give you 15 more years. So, you know, the will of God is always set in stone as far as your life is concerned. There are things that you can negotiate. There are things that you can talk to the Lord about and maybe adjust. Uh, I remember one time, and I'll tell you this, and, and um, I mean, you can do with it whatever you want to, but, but I, was, uh, I was driving, I was in, on a business trip, and I was driving uh, in, Can uh, in Canada. I was driving east to, uh, east to west on, on, um, on the main highway there in the southern part of, of Canada, and... and um, uh, the Lord, he started speaking to me about, uh, first he started speaking to me about uh, humility and, and um, uh, uh, humility and I'll think about the other thing in a minute. What's the, um, anyway, I'll, I'll think about it a minute, but uh, 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 about the fruit of the spirit of, uh, it's not humility, it's the, it's the fruit of the spirit. What's the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace. Uh, Meekness, that was it, right? Yeah. So yeah, I had to go through all of them. Meekness had to be added. It couldn't be love, right? Uh, so humility and meekness. So he's teaching me on humility and meekness. And I even had to pull over and write down some bunch of notes he gave me towards that. And I've taught, taught that over the years. Uh, and it was really a great, uh, great revelation there that I hadn't seen the connection between those two. Uh, but then he said, I want you to go down and talk to your pastor. Uh, and he said, um, he said, and I'll tell you what he told me. He said that, that the problems in the church that are going on at your church, now I'm not, I wasn't a pastor, my pastor was the pastor. He said the problems that are in the church are there because your pastor will not trust anyone. And I said, Lord, I'm not doing that. Because every time I've ever talked to him before about anything, you know, I got my head bit off. I got publicly uh, uh, lied about, publicly uh, accused of all manner of evil. Anybody want to sign up for that job? No, no one wants to sign up for that job. And Lord, I don't, want, I don't much want to do that. And he said, you, you go down there and you, and you talk to him about that. Uh, because, uh, you know, the, the church had gotten to a point where it, it was just like, um, we had so much potential in that ministry. You know, there was a church of 100, 150 people. And, you know, just on the praise and worship, we had like 20 people on the praise and worship team. For a church that size, that's a, that's a huge, I know churches you know, 50 times that size that doesn't have, didn't have that much talent on the praise and worship team. We had, what, five or six horn players, right? Uh, uh, you know, a lot of churches even, you know, like I said, 50 times that, 5,000 people in church, they'll maybe have one trumpet player, right? Maybe a saxophone player. Now, we had multiple saxophone players, uh, multiple trumpet players, a, a trombone player, even a clarinet player, you know? Uh, and so, and every now and then, you know, some flute players would come along and uh, and so, uh, but my pastor had gotten to where, you know, he didn't want to trust, uh, well, he didn't want to trust trustworthy people. He, he wouldn't trust me. He told me he wouldn't trust me. 
Uh, and I'm like, I'm like the most trustworthy person you'll ever meet, right? I mean, uh, all I ever want to do is help, you know. Now, I'm not perfect, I know, but I mean, wow, you know. Uh, and so, um, but he likes surrounding himself with people that were not of great character. And so sometimes people do that, right? Uh, some people like uh, to surround themselves with people that just tell them yes all the time. That's called yes men, right? Well, you know, is it okay if I do this? Oh, yeah, it's fine. You're, you're a spiritual one. You just do it, right? If, if that's all you ever tell me, I, I have no desire to hear your opinion. If you tell me, Pastor, whatever you think is right, blah, 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 blah. I mean, surely that is not true, right? Surely that there, there is room for growth there, right? Uh, and um, now look, it, would it be unusual for the Lord to do that? Well, it wouldn't be because he's the pastor. He's the highest authority in the church. I have no authority in that church. But you know, we're all, we're all, we all can be thick-headed sometimes too, right? And if the Lord can't speak to you, he will send people to you. And if he can't send people to you, he'll, he'll start going down, right? I mean, he, he tried to get, uh, he tried to get uh, people to help Balaam. Uh, nobody, uh, the people wouldn't help Balaam. So finally he had to get a donkey, right? I mean, so, you know, I, you know I'm, I was just one step above a donkey, right? So I know, I know some ministers believe that the Lord would never send. In fact, I've heard this statement. The Lord, the Lord would never send somebody of lesser anointing to, uh, than you to correct you. Like, is that right? I mean, I didn't know that, that, that the donkey would be considered more anointed than a prophet, right? I didn't know that Nathan, the, the prophet, who never wrote a book, would be considered a higher anointing than David, the king, who was a prophet, priest, and king, right? I mean, uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, I think the Lord will use whoever he has to use, right? I mean, uh, didn't he send, uh, who was the first one that Jesus appeared to when he was raised from the dead? Mary, right? Women. Uh, what about the great apostles of Jesus, the apostles of the Lamb? Yeah, they were like third on list, right? And then he sent the women to the apostles. Hey, we saw the Lord Jesus. We don't believe you. Why? Because you're a woman. You obviously don't know anything, right? Uh, and then the very last thing that Jesus did uh, uh, before, he gave the gate, before he gave the great commission in Mark chapter 16 is he, he upbraided them for their unbelief because they wouldn't believe the women. So, you know, he could have used the, the anointed apostles to be to be seen to, uh, first, right? But he chose to appear to the women. Uh, and I think he did that just to, just to get us men straightened up, right? And it's been 2,000 years, we've still got a ways to go. Uh, so anyway, you know, the Lord, the Lord said, you go down and you talk to him, that the problems in the church are because he won't trust people. Uh, and, in fact, you know, I'll I tell you this, um, uh, this is uh, uh, maybe a, a year or so before he passed away, um, you know, my, my pastor was a great anointed man of God. You know, he knew the word of God. He knew the spirit of God. He can move in the spirit. He's just a wonderful man of God. He was not perfect, right? Uh, but he was still a wonderful man of God and, and had great potential. You know, I really believe that, that if he had really uh, done what he should have done in his heart as far as preparing his heart for the Lord, he could have been a, had a worldwide ministry. Uh, and not that that's a goal, right? It's just, uh, but... In fact, I, I talked to him some about that, and I said, you know, Lord, I, uh, Lord but uh, I was talking to the pastor. I said, Pastor, I just, I said, I, it just seems in my heart that with the anointing on your life and, and the call in your life that, that uh, you're going to be asked to go more places than, than you can, that you can get to, and it seems like, you know, that uh, uh, it would be God's plan for you to even send some of us out kind of to, as your assistant, right? You go out, well, you can't make that meeting. You'll send some of us out there. Uh, and he says, I believe you're 100% right. He said, I just don't want that responsibility. And so uh, what was in my heart was the same thing that was in his heart, but he didn't want that responsibility. And so he said no to the Lord. Uh, and, so, and, and in that moment, I knew as soon as he said that, I knew that then he is no longer able to help me get to where I need to be in the ministry. Uh, and that, that wasn't, I wasn't upset at him. I, I didn't talk bad about him. You know, I didn't leave the church. But I knew that if I'm going to if I'm going to advance in the ministry, and when I say advance in the ministry, I just mean pre preparation, right? Study, pray, you know, look for opportunities to minister anywhere I could. Uh, that I'm going to have to do that on my own. I wasn't going to do it through my pastor, right? Uh, and so, um, so the Lord said, to, "You go down there and you talk to him about that." And uh, I said, "Lord, I don't really want to do that." Now, see, it, it wasn't like set in stone. I didn't say, "No, Lord," uh, uh, you know get thee behind me, Satan, you know, it wasn't like I was just in rebellion, 
But I was just being, it wasn't like, you think the Lord knew I didn't want to do that? So it wasn't like, you know, he's like, really? You don't want to do that? He knew I didn't want to do that. Uh, and yet, um, <clears throat> he said, you go down there and you talk to him about that. Uh, and I said, I, I said, I'll tell you what, Lord. I said, uh, if I walked into his office and said, Pastor, thus saith the Lord, you don't trust anybody in this church. You know, uh, I told you he had a black belt in karate. You know, he, he would have killed me three different times without me even knowing it. Uh, and I'd be in heaven right now, and, and I don't think he would have actually murdered me, but, but uh, he would have excoriated me severely with a tongue lashing, you know, and then, and then got up in the pulpit and said all, all manner of evil against me, no doubt. Um, and so I wasn't going to go in, I wasn't going to go into his office like that because there's, there's no, because uh, first of all, my goal would be to be successful, right? To go in there and talk to him about it and help him to get to where he needed to be to trust people because he couldn't do everything on his own, and yet he thought he could, right? I mean, I, at the end of the ministry, before he went home to be with the Lord, he thought he could sing, he thought he could play instruments, he thought he could preach, he thought he could uh, uh, maintain the church physically, but the only thing he could do well was preach. I mean, he, 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 he's cheated his way through school and basically got socially promoted out of high school, and that was it, you know, and the Lord did help him go through Bible school, but he could not sing. He could not play an instrument. But he thought he could, because people around him said, oh, you're the, one, you're the you, oh, you can sing so good. I mean, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> it, it's like, I thought, well, uh, uh, sometimes he could sing, right? I think most people could sing, you know, if it's the exact perfect right song in their range, fine, right? I mean, but, but and he was not a general singer, right? A lot of songs would be like, okay, I just got to turn him down. He just, you know, just sad, right? Uh, and, and I'm not trying to disparage him. I can't sing, right? I mean, you know, people can sing. Chris can sing. I can't sing, right? Uh, and so I'm glad she can sing because we'd be stuck without her. Uh, and so, but, you know, if you get people around you, say, oh, Pastor, you can do anything. Right? Oh, you sing wonderful. If you lied to me, you know, anybody watch those singing shows, right? The singing competitions on TV, right? And somebody gets up and sings and it's just like the worst, it's like the worst thing. And they you know, who told you you could sing? My mama told me I could sing. Well, she lied to you all your life. And she doesn't love you. You have no friends. You, uh, if you had one friend, they would tell you, don't sing. Don't ever do that again. That's, a, that's bad, right? You have no friends. Uh, and, you know, I want friends. I want people to say, hey, uh, don't ever do that, right? You're really bad at that. Uh, and so, you know, I would like to have a friend in my life, right? If all you tell me is, oh, you sing like an angel. You know, after a while, no matter who you are, you start to believe that. And so you've got to be careful about who, who you hang around with because if you get people who all they do is flatter you and tell you how wonderful. Now, look, if you get somebody who, you know, they can never thank you, they can never, you know, they can never tell you anything good about you, well, they're not any count either, right? I mean, there needs to be balance there. But I ran sound for my pastor for 20 years. He never once thanked me for 20 years. And I, and, I, and I wasn't just running sound, right? I mean, if, if you know what Jared does, that's like what I was, you know, except we didn't have as much technology as Jared had, but and we had to, you know, uh, had to wind up the generator every service, you know. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, boil, the, boil the water, tear the sheets, all that stuff manually. But, um, uh, but still, you know, 20 years, not a single thank you, right? And, you know, it's perfectly, I think it's fine to thank people. Uh, I mean, Jesus said, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, some people, you know, they just have a hard time. You know, they think it belittles them to, to encourage other people, you know. But anyway, so, um, so, uh, <clears throat> I didn't want, much want to do that. And um, um, when I say uh, he doesn't trust anybody, uh, there, there's just, you know, the church needed to grow, but he wouldn't trust anybody to run anything, right? The church needed to do certain things because the church, we, we were nearly full. We needed to build a building. Uh, and we had, uh, we had land and, and things. But, um, uh, you know, he quit trusting me to, to buy new equipment for the church. Uh, and... You know, the craziest thing, you know, all the years we had difficulties uh, with, you know, for the first, about the first seven years or so, it was days of heaven at the church. But around the year 2000, things got really complicated. That's when he started surrounding himself with people that would just tell him anything. And the problem with that is they would tell him lies about other people in the church, including me. And so then it got complicated. Well, so then he started, they said, well, Chip doesn't really know how to run the sound. So they brought in a fellow from, from the Bible school that he went to to come and, and, and uh, fix our sound system. And he got there, and, and we got along great, you know. Uh, he was a spiritual fellow, and 
uh, we got along really well. And uh, he said, man, you're, you're doing great. Your sound man's great. You know, everything's going good. Well, you're fired, right? You got rid of him. And so then he got this other guy. You know, he was a Christian, but, you know, he would, he would run sound for the honky tonks in town, you know. And so he kind of, you know, you, you get to play both, both sides of the fence that way, right? You know, Christian on Saturday or on Sunday, you know, but, you know, on Friday night, you know, uh, sometimes you got to let your hair down a little bit, you know. And so, uh, and he came in there and said, you know, you're doing great. Sound system's good. You know, everything's running good. You know, everything mixed is good, you know. Oh, you're fired. We can't have that, you know. And finally he got this complete heathen. Didn't know God, never even knew God. Couldn't even spell God, right? Uh, and, I mean, absolutely not a Christian at all. Came to the, he doesn't know what he's doing. And so uh, he mixed the sound, and it was the worst thing ever. Uh, and, and it was all the emperor's new clothes. Oh, that doesn't sound amazing, right? And we had these other two professional singers, I mean, professional soundmen. God travels with Brother Hagen, runs the sound for Brother Hagen. I think he probably knew what he was doing. He said everything was great, you know. And this guy, complete heathen, you know, is the worst sound man ever, right? But when you have no reputation, I don't care. I mean, whatever, I don't care, you know. And so, in the past, and so finally, okay, we like that guy, right? So, you know, when, when you got to start finding the worst heathen in the world to, to back, you up, back you up, then see, you're not trusting the right people, right? And so that's just... Uh, uh, an example of the situations going on in the church, stuff like that, right? Where he wouldn't trust the uh, godly people. He would trust worldly heathen people. I mean, heathen, right? Uh, I mean, you know, just to me, it was distasteful to even have him in the ministry, in the, in the sanctuary during praise and worship. It was that bad, right? I mean, just, uh, just you know, anyway. So none of my business. I wasn't the pastor of the church, right? So, uh, but the Lord said, you go down and talk to him that the, troubles in the church because he won't trust anyone so he would trust heathens but he wouldn't trust people of god and, and now look all people of god are not perfect but i can guarantee you the heathens are, are not the people you need to trust for, you, for your spiritual th- advantage amen uh, and mixing sound in the church to me is a spiritual thing you gotta you gotta the whole goal is to advance and, and maximize the spirit of god not to maximize the entertainment value of the stage uh, and so and the Lord, I don't really want to do that. You go do that, you know. And, and, and you could tell, you know, I can tell when the Lord's stern, right? You know, he's not, he's not budging on this. And I said, okay, Lord, I said, here's the deal. I said, I said I'll do that. I said, but, but you've got to get him to bring up the conversation. You've got to get him to bring up the conversation around, you know, this relationship about me and him, about the troubles going on in the church. You, you do that. And if you'll do that, Lord, then, then I'll have a conversation with him. Uh, and, and so months went by. I mean, months went by. You know, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not hiding, right? I'm not, I'm not going to talk to the pastor because, you know, he might bring up something. I didn't hide, but, you know, uh, he was getting close to the end of his time on the earth, and I knew that, and he knew that. Uh, and so uh, we, uh, I would go over to his house and just visit with him. Uh, and, uh, and one day I was visiting with him, and he said, you know, what do you think is going on with the church, you know, with the, with the, with the, uh, basically with the struggles of the church? And I said, well, I'm glad you asked. And I said, Pastor, I said, uh, and I didn't say thus to the Lord. I never told him the Lord told me. Because I don't, you know, I'm not going to be a name dropper. If what I say uh, doesn't carry enough weight, because you should hear what I say. Uh, see, some people are like, well, because you said it, it's wrong. Well, no, you should hear what I say, right? And so um, that way, because if I said thus saith the Lord, you know, you know how many people told me thus saith the Lord and wasn't the Lord? You know, Jeremiah or Ezekiel prophesies about that. People are saying, thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. Uh, and, and so, um, <clears throat> so I don't always name drop. You know, if the Lord tells me to do it, I don't care to do it. But, but you know, I'm not one really big to say, thus saith the Lord, you know. And church, you know, it's a little different. But um, when I go talk to somebody, uh, I let them judge what I say as being right or wrong. And that way they can just judge that, right? Because then if they say, well, what you're saying is wrong, well, they may have a point. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, right? I mean, I, I'm not perfect. And I, and I just told them, I said, well, pastor, you know, uh, you don't trust anybody. You don't trust me. You don't trust, you know, and I mentioned other people in the, in the church, other people have been with him for decades, right? I was with him for 20 years and he wouldn't trust me. And you all have been around me for many years. You think I'm trustworthy, at least a little. I mean, you know, I know I'm not, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not looking for a, you know, raise your hand. Well, I'm looking at, you know, okay, you're out of here, right? No, I don't. I don't see, I don't need that, right? If, if you don't, if you don't think I'm trustworthy, I, I don't care. You know, I mean, if you give me an example that maybe I can improve on, okay, fine, right? Uh, 
Uh, well, you know, you're not, I couldn't leave a cookie with you for nothing. Okay, I'll give you that one, right? Because uh, uh, if you leave a cookie there uh, and you don't tell me it's owned by you, fair game, right? So anyway, but, um, uh, and so, and so, but I was, not, I was, you know, I was never disrespectful about it. I was very respectful. I said, well, Pastor, you know, uh, I said, uh, um, you know, you've got all these people around you that, and you know they're people of no character. And he said, well, I just wanted a friend. And, 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 you know, and I said, well, Pastor, that's not true. I said, you know that you and I were friends for years and then you walked away from me. And, and uh, we, we would go fishing together. We would travel together. We, we were good friends. And he walked away from me. And I said, uh, I said, I've never done anything to, to cause you to distrust me. Now, and these people that you've got around you right now, all you ever did was listen to them. And, and you wouldn't be friends with anybody else. But these, these, they were Christians, but they were sort of heathen Christians. You know, people just tell dirty jokes. You know, people like that, right? Filthy jokes, right? Uh, t- jokes you wouldn't tell your mama. Uh, and, and stuff like that. Well, you, you don't surround yourself with people like that. Especially if you're in the ministry, right? I mean, uh, and so... We had a good conversation. You know, he, he, he apologized. He actually cried then, but, you know, he was under a lot of medication too. Uh, and so, but we had a good conversation. It was a pleasant conversation. Nobody was screaming or hollering. Nobody was pointing fingers, you know, but we had a good, frank conversation before he passed. Now, he, he was gone about two months after that, right? Uh, and it was unfortunate that, that he couldn't change. See, now, I, I was, the, I was the, the messenger of last resort. You know the Spirit of God had been dealing with him for years on that years on that uh, and so you know the Lord doesn't send people to you unless you're so thick-headed you won't hear from him you know he will speak to you uh, and re- he rebukes me all the time but he could still send you know I'm sure there's areas in my life where he'd say hey you know straighten up right and, and hopefully I'll catch it without having to be done publicly right uh, and so but, you know, even like even in the church here, how many how many of y'all sitting in a message in a service there have been rebuked without me ever knowing about it? Just you and the Lord. And you had to go home and repent and correct yourself about some things. Well, well that's because the Lord loves you. He's you know, in that moment, he's speaking to you by the spirit of God. Right. Because I, I should be yielded to the spirit of God. And the be- that's to me, that's best of both worlds. Right. You, you find out there's something that you need to change in your life. Uh, you go. It's it's made to you, made obvious to you. You go home and change it. Nobody knows. Everybody thinks you're still spiritual, right? You're spiritual before, during, and after. Look at me. I'm so, see, I think that's great. Isn't that a good, that, that's a good way to do it, right? Worst thing is get up and tell, you know, you, know, you, you know, uh, and, the, and the Lord has done that plenty of times over the years. He's never done it in our church, you know, because I believe most of y'all either, either will change, and I think I believe many of y'all have changed even some time I've known you, or sometimes people will leave, right? I've had people leave, and the Lord said, not, you know, uh, they left, and and uh, years later, I wasn't even thinking about it. Years later, they just came up in my heart. I said, "Lord, why'd they leave?" And uh, I've told you this before, but he, but he said they left because they ran out of toes. And I thought that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. You know, they ran out of toes. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, if you if your toes get stepped on and you don't want to repent, then you kind of get resentful after a while, don't you? Amen. Now look, uh, I've had people tell me, "Well, you were talking about me." And I'm like, you know, I had I had no idea you was doing that. Uh, and instead of being glad, well, th- that it's it was God, they got they still were mad at me. Why are you mad at me? I didn't even know you was doing that. And I'm just preaching out of the word, and well, and come uh, say something, and then well, you know, you you called me out. Well, not publicly, I didn't. The spirit of God did between you and Him. Why are you mad at me? I didn't, I'm just showed up, right? Just like you, we both showed up for the same event, and so. To me, that's a, that's a pretty good way to do it, right? That's called a spiritual church, right? That's, isn't that the kind of church you want? Well, we all want the Holy Ghost until he shows up, right? And so, uh, so uh, but we had a good conversation. And, and, and so, see, I was content to do the will of God. I didn't want the, the, the pain that had normally always come from doing that, right? Uh, but, um, uh, and unfortunately, in that case, you know, there was no, uh, there was no negative ramifications uh, at least that I know of, you know, because, um, again, he, he wasn't there that long. But for me personally, being content in the will of God is, is like my number one priority in my life, in every area of my life. You know, all my money, all my time, all, all my, uh, uh, you know, where I live, what I do, my desire is to be in the perfect will of God. 
and I strive for that every day. And the things that I need to adjust, there's even things, you know, I'm trying to adjust now. I need, there's more time I need to be here at the church, and I'm making some adjustments in my personal life to get there, right, to, to get even more time here at the church. Uh, there's some things that I've got to do and, and books I've got to write, uh, and we'll get there, right? Uh, and, and so, so you know, I just encourage you, find that contentment in your life about the will of God. Find the will of God and just say, Lord, to my last breath, I'll do that thing. Uh, and I'll never change it unless you tell me uh, to change it. Uh, and I have told the Lord before, uh, in the midst of uh, emotional stress, I said, Lord, if you tell me to change right now, I will not change. If you tell me to quit this church, I will not quit. I said, uh, until I get my heart settled and get my mind stable, I will not change anything. Because I've seen too many people under stress and duress and whatever going on in their life that start breaking everything in their life, hoping that something gets better instead of spending more time on their knees. If they'd spend more time on their knees, they'd find the will of God uh, and, and they wouldn't have to, may not change anything except their own heart. But people do it all the time. They, they break everything around them uh, because they're dissatisfied, they're uncontented, uh, hoping that they can find contentment somehow. But the problem is they're the, the, they are the exact same person before, during, and after that event. Uh, and if they would change on their knees, they would find the contentment, and they may not have to change a single thing, and, and all, will be, all would be well. Uh, and th- Now, you can't get there unless you desire to be there. That's not something you just kind of actually you know, accidentally get to. You have to desire that in a big way. Uh, and uh, I've seen too many people uh, destroy their life because they've gotten out of the will of God. Uh, and uh, and I, you know, I don't want to leave early. I've got things to do. Don't you want to stay on the earth longer than, than uh, or uh, as long as you're supposed to be? Uh, that's what I want to do. Amen. And so then, then Paul goes right in, into uh, verse 12, and he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Uh, and, and, you know, for the, for the average faith charismatic, this is not a super happy verse right here, right? But the thing that we need to appreciate in this verse is that uh, when the Lord calls you uh, in, uh, to do things, sometimes there, there is personal suffering necessary for you to accomplish God's will. It's not, he's not causing you to suffer to teach you things. The reason Paul was suffering is because he had to go into all the world to preach the gospel. And some places where he went, there, was no, there were no resources. Well, is he willing to go and to believe God in that? Well, yeah, but sometimes there, there, there is a time element sometimes to receiving the blessings of the Lord, right? And, and sometimes people are rebellious. You know, they're supposed to help you. They were, they were on the list to help, and they don't want to help. Well, then the Lord has to go find somebody else. And, you know, sometimes he can't find anybody else. And so it's not that he doesn't want to bless you, but sometimes the people he needs to bless you, they're not doing their, not doing their, uh, their job. Now, I'll give you a, a real minor example. One time, me and Chris, we had, we had uh, uh, she was in a minor uh, car accident. This was, uh, we weren't, we were, were we married then? I think we're, uh, this is when we were walking on the highway there. Uh, yeah, we were still dating then. Yeah, I thought we were still dating. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, so she got a rental car. So we were, we were driving in a rental car. Actually, we were coming to Dayton. And, and between here and Dayton, there's a, there's the, on the interstate, there's a, there is a, not a big mountain, right? For Tennessee, it was a, you know, it's a big hill. Uh, and the car broke down. And, and I think that was a, the second car we got from this guy. And, it, and they were, the first one, like the whole, the whole rear, rear wheel wasn't even attached, right? He, he didn't have the lug bolts on, the lug nuts. Actually, I think the lug nuts were on there, but the, the axle or the whatever it was, the, the bearings were bad or something. The whole wheel was just doing this right here. And, and so I'm not fixing it. It's his rental car. And so the second one was even worse. And so we started going up this hill, and it starts slowing down. So we push on the gas, and it slows down more. And then suddenly smoke comes out of the engine, and, and it's like, okay, I guess I just gave up the ghost, right? Uh, and, and so... So now we're, you know, I don't know, we're a mile away from the, from the exit or something. So we just start hoofing it. So now it's me and Chris, right? We're in, co- in college and uh, we look pretty scary, right? I mean, uh, we don't look scary at all. But, uh, and so I'm thinking, well, you know, we, Lord, we've given people rides before they needed rides. Where's our ride? You know, somebody should stop and help us, right? Uh, and, and I told Chris, I said, I bet it's some rebellious Christian uh, listening to Integrity Hosanna music, and, and uh, the Lord told them to stop, and they didn't stop. Uh, and so we kept on walking. 
and, and uh, after just a little bit, this lady pulls over and said, yeah, the Lord told me to stop. She said, but I didn't want to, so, uh, but I, I decided to change my mind when I got to the next exit. So I turned around to get it and had to go back to the other exit, come back and, get, and pick you up there. And, and uh, she was listening to Integrity Hosanna music, right? Uh, and so but that's, that's the way it is sometimes, right? The Lord called her to help us, but she didn't want to help us. And so we had to keep on walking until she decided to help, right? Until she decided to not be rebellious. Now, she was a safe ride, right? Somebody else, you know, may not have been, hey, get in here. Well, that looks like a white panel van, right? You don't ever get in the white panel vans, right? You just, everyone's on, on TV that you don't get in them, right? Hey, you, you want some candy? The answer is no, right? You don't ever get, and you don't let your kids get in them either. But, uh, but so, so sometimes, you know, the, uh, uh, in fact, if you remember, uh, uh, Paul said that they lacked opportunity, right? They wanted to do it, but they lacked opportunity. So they didn't know how to get the funds to him. So, you know, there's just some things that happens. Now, now it, what, was it the will of God for him to not have that? No, he, he instructed the Philippians to do that. And back up in verse 10, they, were, they didn't know how to do it. And, you know, they could, could they try it harder? Maybe. Uh, but, you know, especially back then, it would have been really hard. You can't just text somebody, hey, Paul, where are you at, right? There's no texting, obviously, but... So, uh, so sometimes the Lord calls you into a place where the resources aren't there, and, and, uh, but it's still the will of God. He's not doing it to teach you. He's not doing it to punish you. He's doing it because his will is to go help that person. And Jesus had to leave glory of heaven to come to the earth where there was no glory until he got here. The only glory in the earth was because he was here. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there was no streets of gold. And, and, you know, he said that he was made poor so that we could be made rich. Uh, well, you know, he came. Didn't Jesus come? Uh, and so, so sometimes God calls you to think. Now, his, his, his perfect will is that you never experience any poverty. But sometimes he'll send you someplace and have you do something where, where it's not an easy, easy road. Now, I, I did listen to one minister one time. They said uh, that uh, unless you eat oranges for the first year of ministry, God hasn't called you. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, uh, is that the will of God that I must eat oranges and get, uh, uh, well, I was going to say scurvy, but scurvy uh, happens if you, if you don't eat or oranges, right? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, is that the will of God that, that you can never be called unless you eat oranges for the first year uh, of your ministry? No, that's, a, that's just dumb because that's just, that means that I have to experience some natural event before, before a spiritual event can be true. Uh, and so... And they talked, well, Brother Hagen, you know, he was poor for the first year of his ministry. Well, yeah, but, I mean, fortunately, I know the story. And, uh, and uh, he had left his last church. He had pastored for 11 years and left his last church and went out of the field ministry. And the Lord said, I never called you to pastor. He said, but I'd, I'd, I'd just let you pastor so you can learn some things so that you know how to treat pastors when, they, uh, when you go minister for them and how you can treat uh, uh, traveling ministers when they come to you. Uh, and so it was just a training period. That wasn't my perfect will for you. But, you know, you weren't ready for my perfect will, so you had to be in training for 11 years. And so now you're in the, you're the first phase of, your, of my perfect will in your life by doing the traveling ministry. And, and, and so Brother Hagen went to the Lord after the first year. He was broke, just no money. You know, he's, he said uh, uh, his children were, were, were not fed well. His, his wife had one dress. He had one pair of shoes. Uh, he said his car was so bad he could only sell it for junk. He couldn't even, you know, and, and he had to borrow off his life insurance policy to, to make ends meet some. And he said, Lord, you know, you, you said in, in, in Isaiah 1 9 that, that, uh, that uh, willing and obedience shall eat the good of the land. Well, if that, does it say that, right? Isaiah 1 9? Is, is that what it says, dear? Do you want to pull that up? Uh, Isaiah 1 9. <clears throat> uh, it said, the, the, um, uh, well, he'll pull it up here in a second. Um, well, that's not it at all, right? Maybe it's, is it, uh, try verse 19. I don't know, it's in some there somewhere, right? Yeah, there it is. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Is that what it says? Yeah. Pretty straightforward, right? Be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. He said, I'm not eating the good of the land. He said, I'm under the barrel. He said, I'm not at the bottom of the barrel, I'm under the barrel. Uh, and, and so, uh, so he's going to the Lord with this promise, Right? And that's how you should do it. You should go to the Lord with a promise. You know, Lord, I want, I want the biggest house in the, in the whole world. Is there a promise for that? No, but there's a promise for this. So he went to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, I did what you told me to do. 
I went out, I left my church. They had best salary. They pay for me to go to all the meetings. They buy me a new suit, bring me food all the time. Uh, and uh, now I left on my own. I got to pay for all my own stuff. And I can't buy a new suit. I can't go to these meetings. I can't do all these things I was doing before. Uh, they gave me a parsonage. I got to pay for my own house. Uh, but you said right here, Lord, if I do what you tell me to do, that I, I would eat the good of the land. And so the Lord said, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what I said. He said, the problem is you're not qualified. And, and like, well, what do you mean I'm not qualified? I said, he's, uh, uh, Brother Hague said, I did what you told me to do. He said, yes, but it doesn't say uh, if you be willing, you'll eat the good of the land. Or if you be obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Does it say if you're obedient, you shall eat the good of the land? No. It says if you're willing and obedient. So anybody can measure obedience, right? Obedience is easy. Are you there? Yeah. Well, then I'm obedient. Did you go to church? Yeah, then I was obedient. Did you want to be at church? No. Well, then you weren't willing. You were obedient, but you weren't willing. See, he didn't really want to go. He didn't want to leave his family. He didn't want to be away from his kids all the time. Uh, he had two small children. He didn't want to be away from his wife. You know, uh, he didn't want to be from his home. He would rather have them all been with him. He'd rather have been with, with them you know, as a pastor. Uh, and so he was obedient to do what the Lord said, but he was unwilling, you know, even, even to do, doing the job. Uh, he, in his heart, he, he still wanted to be back home. Uh, and so uh, the Lord said, yeah, you're right, but you're not qualified. Uh, and, and so he said, don't, take, don't tell me it takes a long time to get qualified. He said, just in my heart right then, I, I just made an adjustment. See, now, now nobody could tell on the outside. Nobody could tell he made any adjustments. He was still going to his meetings. He was still uh, traveling just like he was before. But suddenly his finances started picking up and the Lord started teaching him about some finances. Uh, and so, uh, and so in that, you know, he could believe God. Now, you can believe God a, a lot of ways and overcome a lot of the shortcomings of other people, right? Uh, I mean, we see plenty of supernatural examples in the, in the, in the Gospels uh, or in the Scriptures about that where people were, were sustained supernaturally. Uh, and so, so, you know, it is possible for the Lord to do that. But sometimes when the Lord has, has people lined up to help you and they refuse to help or are unable to help or unwilling to help, you know, sometimes you have to suffer in, to maintain the will of God, to continue in the will of God. Uh, now, he's not, uh, again, it's not suffering for your benefit. It's suffering because the will of God has to get done and you're the only one willing to do the will of God. Now, the, the blessing of that is the Lord will always catch up on it, right? You, he's never going to be in debt to you, right? Uh, he's going to take care of you. Uh, and he will, right? He, uh, uh, and so if you keep that balance, see, people think that, that poverty is a spiritual thing, right? Look how spiritual I am because I'm poverty stricken. Uh, you know, we're going to look at some scriptures here, I think, in the next uh, uh, round verse. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, well, here in the next, uh, next few verses, we're going to look at some other uh, details related to that. Uh, I wanted to read verse 12 here in another translation. Uh, this is in the Weiss translation. Says, I know, in fact, how to discipline myself in lowly circumstances. I know, in fact, how to conduct myself when I have more than enough. Uh, and see, that, that, that should be a, a good uh, spiritual uh, uh, place to be, right? If you have nothing, man, you're good. If you have everything, you're still good, right? Some people complain when they have nothing. Some people are, are full of pride when they have everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, you should be the same before, during, and after. Amen. When your ship comes in, uh, and, you know, sometimes when people think of the Lord uh, in finances, they think of the Lord like the lottery, right? They'll have nothing, 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 and then the Lord's going to drop a million dollars in their, in their bucket. The Lord doesn't operate that way, right? It's very rare that he would operate that way. Uh, and so uh, it, it, it is to your advantage to, because uh, what Paul is saying is, I'm content regardless of what my bank account looks like. And see, that's the way you need to be, right? Regardless of what happens, if the Lord calls you to do something, and, uh, you know, he told, he told Lester Summerall one time, he said, uh, you sell your house and everything, and you go to the Philippines and be a missionary for, just go be a missionary, right? And, and, and he went to the other room, said, told his wife, hey, we're going to the Philippines. And, and she started packing as she was crying because she didn't want to go. She liked her house. She liked the church that they were at. She liked you know, the stability of where, where they were at, you know, but she was willing to do it, you know, or she was obedient anyway. Uh, as he, he uh, it would have been helpful for her to also be uh, a little more obedient in her heart in that or willing in her heart in that to help him, right? But he was kind of a gruff, you know, uh, 
uh, crotchety old fellow, you know, he just, ah, we're going, we're going to the Philippines, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, he would, now see, when Brother Hagen, when he would make a change, he, he'd go into Aretha and say, Aretha, has the Lord spoken anything about making any big changes at all? Hmm. And he said, well, you know, actually, I've been praying, and, and it seemed like the Lord told us to go back to this other church. And she said, I just thought it was me, you know. And, and so Brother Hagen said, well, would you want to go back to the church? She said, not for anything in the world. And he said, well, the Lord told me the exact same thing because I didn't want to go back to that church. But for whatever reason, the Lord wanted him to go back to that church. Uh, and so the, Brother Hagen would always, you know, wait for the, And he would ask the Lord, Lord, you've got to speak to her too. Because they were in this together, right? Uh, Lester was like, shut up, woman, we're going to the Philippines. You know, we're, sell it all and we're going tomorrow, right? And so, <laughs> but she married him, so, you know, that was the deal, right? And so uh, I'm not saying, some, some men are kind of that way, right? Just shut up, woman, we're going to go do it, you know? And, uh, and, you know, I think it's perfectly fine to say, uh, you know, has the Lord spoken to you at all about this, you know? Because for me, it's always been important for me and Chris to be in agreement to whatever we do. And we've always been in agreement to everything we've done. Uh, and so, at least any big things, you know? Uh, and so... Um, so uh, in that, you know, uh, Paul knew how to be content whatever he had. Because see, if he wasn't content when he was poor, then he would change his circumstance to get out of the will of God. If he wasn't content when he was rich, you know, th- you know that well, I'm rich. I need to have you know this or that. Then I need to buy a big, a big, a big estate somewhere and stop traveling. Well, then you know he got out of the will of God there, right? Uh, and so. So Paul said, you know, no matter what my circumstances are, I know how to discipline myself. Uh, and, and he said, in everything and in all things, I have learned the secret, both to be satiated or, or to be complete or full, and to be hungry and to have more than enough and to lack. Uh, and so he could, be, he could be full or be hungry. He can have more than enough or, or, or be in lack. Now, that's not a faith confession, right? Uh, our faith is not, well, Lord, I want to be in lack. That's not a faith confession. But sometimes the Lord will call you to do things where, where uh, the will of God is the will of God. And you go do that thing. Uh, and, um, you know, sometimes uh, you may have to believe God while you're there. You know, one time um, Dr. Dufresne w- was talking about <clears throat> when he was a pastor. He, he started pastoring in the 70s, early 70s. And that was like the explosion of the, <clears throat> of the Word of Faith movement, uh, the charismatic movement. Uh, and he said, easiest thing in the world to get a church of a thousand people back then. Uh, uh, and so he said uh, they, they were getting ready to build a church at one point in time. Uh, and uh, they just weren't getting the funds from the, from the people in the church. And so he went to the Lord about it. Uh, and, and the Lord rebuked him. He said, well, you haven't taught your people how to, how to prosper. And so that's why your church isn't prospering, because you haven't taught your people how to prosper. And so you're going to have to uh, believe, uh, believe me for the funds for this church to be built uh, as you start teaching them how to prosper correctly. Uh, and so he had to use his own faith. Uh, and so the lack was there, not because the people were even wrong, but he was the minister. He wasn't teaching them how to prosper, how to give and how to receive. Uh, and so uh, he was an heir in that. You know? In fact, the Lord uh, told Brother Hagin to go back to some churches and teach on, on, on giving because he never would teach on giving and receiving. Uh, and so... Yeah, it's a, it's a valid it's a valid doctrine, right? Uh, and Paul just you know he's kicking all over all kinds of golden calves in these next few verses, right? And we'll, we'll, we're going to kick over a few in the next uh, uh, coming around the next year, right? Uh, and as we get into this, so um, so so Paul did say that, right? Uh, so are, would there be a situation where you might not have everything your your hopes and desires have physically, right? All the clothes or food, because he said food, right? Uh, be hungry? Sure. If you're, called to, if you're called to do certain things, there'll be times and seasons, right? Times and seasons where there's just not everything there, but it won't be forever. Uh, and that's the thing that, uh, uh, that I do know by the Lord. You know, you may have to go this, but it's only for, it would only be for a period of time because eventually the Lord will figure out how to get that to you. He'll raise up other people of faith. You'll teach other people faith around you. They will increase and they'll help you. Uh, and so for our, from our side, is whatever the Lord's called us to, we're good right there. And that, that's the whole point of all of this, really. It's not even about the finances, but he's using the finances kind of as a, the analogy here, but also food, right? Uh, the, the most important thing is, is to be content in the will of God. And then after that, whatever else, you know, the Lord will always take care of you. 
You know, did Paul die of starvation? No, he never died of starvation, right? Kids come in, I'm starving. You're not really starving, right? Uh, and, and with I'm starving, you end up like Esau, right? What did Esau do when he was hungry? He gave up his birthright as the carrier of the covenant of God for a bowl of porridge. And, and, and I don't even know what porridge is, but that word has always sounded gross to me, right? Porridge, it just sounds like, like slop, right? Just like, who eats porridge? Anybody know? What is, what is porridge anyway, right? I don't know what it is, but it sounds gross, right? It sounds like something you get on the cafeteria at the, at the prison yard, right? Porridge or something. And so, but that's what he wanted. And he was willing to trade his whole, because he was not content with being hungry, uh, he was willing to trade his birthright. And how well did that work out for him? How many people have traded the birthright of the Lord and the will of God for their life for a bowl of porridge because they weren't content? They didn't learn how to be hungry. They didn't learn how to, how to be full and, uh, and be satisfied and content in every situation they're in. See, we, it could have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. That's what it should have been, right? Uh, but it said it ended up being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob's name means deceitful coward. Well, who wants that in your bloodline, right? But that was in the bloodline of Jesus, right? It could have been Esau, the great hunter. Uh, but no, no, you know, for a bowl of porridge, right? How many ministers have, have lost everything for a bowl of porridge? How many people have lost everything? They weren't content with their, the bowl of porridge they had. They wanted a bigger bowl of porridge or whatever. Uh, and so uh, contentment is such a great value, right? And, and that's what Paul, in all these verses right here, he's talking about, look, you want to give? Man, that's great. You don't want to give? I'm still good, right? Uh, and so, you know, I know ministers who get mad if, if you all don't give, they get mad. And I'm like, why am I going to get mad? Because you don't want to give. That's between you and the Lord Jesus, right? Are, are you going to stand before me as your judge someday? No, you're never going to stand before me. Well, I'm going to show him I'm not going to give. I, you know, if you could see how little I care, right? Because that's not, that's, not, that's not me, right? Uh, and, and my observation is the people who complain the most were the stingiest givers in the whole church, right? And, and, and so... Uh, because they're they're just uh, they're just that way, right? Uh, and um, <clears throat> so you know that's between them and them again, right? But but um, uh, that well we'll talk some more about that as we go along. So anyway, the, uh, the Lord is good, Amen. Uh, and so uh, is it perfectly fine to abound, though? Perfectly fine to abound, right? Can you be content when you abound? Are you, do you want to be somebody once you abound? Do you want to be called sir and mister when you abound, right? Instead of being Bob and Joe when, when, when you were just the one of the guys, right? Uh, can you be content in, in that? Uh, and I've seen plenty of rich people who are super content. You would never tell, right? Uh, and, and so, and you know, uh, I'll tell you this and we'll, uh, we'll go. You know, I grew up poor, right? We grew up in all kinds of stuff. But you know, uh, if you walk in a house, we didn't, we didn't live poor. Right? There was no toilets out in the front yard. Uh, there were no holes in the wall. There, there was no, you know, thousand dogs and cats running around. There were no babies naked running around, the, you know, no clothes on ever, you know, filthy kids or anything like that. I mean, we took a bath every week whether we needed it or not. But, um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, you can be poor without being poor, without living poor. Uh, you know, it, it's cheap. It, it's not, it doesn't cost any money to clean your house, right? Uh, and so... Um, you know, you can be content with it, with wherever you're at. Uh, my dad made all of her furniture. You know, I didn't know that was a, you know, my mom made most of her clothes. I had clothes, you know, I'm the youngest of 11, and so there's seven brothers in my family. I had clothes that my mom made for the oldest brother, and they made it all the way through us, right? Now, you, you go down to Walmart, clothes like that won't last through seven children, through seven boys, right? Especially boys. Uh, but we had clothes there, I don't know if they made out of burlap sacks or what, but uh, they were tough, right? They were, they were impressive clothes. Uh, I never even owned a pair of blue jeans until I got to high school. I didn't, is that a thing? People wore blue, I thought rich people wore blue jeans, right? I don't even know what kind of clothes I wore. I think I wore yoga pants before they were a thing, right? Uh, and so <laughs> I had no idea what I wore, but I wore blue jeans, you know. And so, uh, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so I could be content with wherever I'm at. Amen. I'm going to do that. I'm going to stay in the will of God and live my full life on this earth in the full, and bless, full blessings of the Lord. Amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for the word. And, Father, we thank you for the blessings of heaven. And, Father, we, we, we thank you that regardless of what our circumstances are, we stay right in the perfect will of God. We will not move. We will not change course and direction, Father. We will stay here. Uh, until you tell us to go, we, we are not moving. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we, Lord, we give you praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, the Lord is good. You know, I appreciate how, how Paul is winding up this book here. Um, he's just really encouraging to the Philippians. And just some good things that if we could learn, learn, learn some of these things, uh, our lives would be a lot more at peace. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. Uh, and so we thank the Lord for his goodness and kindness. Amen. Amen. And um, come in, Mr. Jordan, receive the offering there. And of course, I, you know, I decided a long time ago as a pastor that I'm never going to get bent out of shape about what people give, you know, because uh, it, it, it would be the hardest thing to preach being mad at somebody all the time, right? Them stingy people. Because then you get, into, uh, you get into all kinds of devilish stuff, start saying, thus said the Lord when the Lord has not spoken. I mean, you'd start saying things to try to get them to change. Uh, and I'd much rather say things get you to change without me knowing that you need to change. You know, just say it by the Spirit of God. That's a lot better. See, then I keep my heart right. And then if you want to change, man, that's great. It's a win-win. If you don't want to change, you're not going to stick around anyway. So uh, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, uh, so the Lord, the Lord desires for you to be better. Amen. And he'll do that however he can to the best of his ability. And, and so uh, I, uh, he's good. Amen. And we thank him for that. So uh, don't forget uh, Sunday we'll have regular service on the morning and healing school. And then Monday at uh, what time will we come here Monday? 10 o'clock for the un- undecorating the church. Uh, it says uh, 11 o'clock. All right. So six minutes after 11, we're going to be here uh, to... Uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> it won't take long to undecorate the church. We just basically take everything back to the, back to the warehouse there. So, all right, we'll be blessed, and uh, we'll see you all on Sunday. Right, we do have a prayer Friday? No, it's next Friday. Okay, all right. So see you on Sunday.